0: Mark chapter number 8, and as you turn in there, congratulations on making it through the first week of 2018. And praise the Lord for it, and I'm very excited that you're here this morning. Looking forward to what the Lord will do in our church this year. And I'm going to be very transparent with you this morning. I'm very much looking forward to spring. Okay, after this week, oh, it's been so cold. Mark chapter number 8, and we're going to start in verse number 1. Mark chapter 8 and verse number 1. And in those days, the multitude, being very great and having nothing to eat, be saw, uh, sorry, being having nothing to eat, Jesus called the disciples unto him and said unto them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them from uh, came from afar. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave the disciples to set before them. And they did sit them before the people. And they had a few small fishes. And he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about four thousand. And he sent them away. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for another year, the beginning of another year, 2018. And we look forward to seeing great things occur to happen and for your honor and glory. And we're so thankful that you are a compassionate Savior. And Lord, I pray you encourage our hearts this morning as we look at this portion of Scripture and see some great principles of your love and care for us. Lord, Watch over us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is still in the Gentile countryside. He's been there teaching uh, his disciples the truth that no person in the world is off limits to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everyone. Has, should have access to it. As a religious Jew, these disciples would have been raised saying that the Gentiles, they weren't to be touched. They were like dogs. They were, they were to be, they're defiled. Don't go near. Uh, no contact with someone who was not Jewish. That's the way they would have been brought up. And Jesus was now tearing down that wall of, of incorrect thinking. And He wanted His men to understand that He came to this world to save everyone. Everyone. If they might find him, they would be saved. To drive this truth further to them, Jesus took them into a predominantly Gentile area. First, uh, he healed a Canaanite woman. We looked at that a while ago. And then he healed a man who was deaf with a speech impediment. And as soon as those miracles are accomplished, he began to teach the people the word of God. And when this passage is open, Jesus had been teaching the multitude for three days. Three day seminar. Alright, he had been preaching, expounding the word, and when he was finished and he's ready to send the multitudes away, he acknowledges the fact that the people didn't have any food. And he couldn't send them away fasting or hungry, and because if he did there, excuse me, there was no doubt that some would definitely faint along the way, and that would cause problems. So as he did earlier in his ministry in Mark chapter six, he feeds the multitude through a powerful miracle once again. Now, there's some similarities between these miracles. Both miracles of the feeding involved huge crowds. Now, we just went through Christmas season, and you probably were involved with some big gatherings. And there was lots of food. I mean, we our church Christmas banquet, uh, we had almost 200 people. There was food everywhere. It was great. But we're talking 4,000 here the lord provided for and another crowd was 5000 both miracles took place where there was no food readily available there wasn't right next to the grocery store okay the disciples weren't hopping across the road <clears throat> to pick up a few bags of chips you know there was no food available in both miracles jesus used small amount of food to feed a whole lot of people and both involved bread and fish and both miracles involved the disciples And in both ones, the disciples doubted the Lord's ability to take care of the need. And in both, Jesus took what he had, he thanked God for it, he broke it, and it multiplied in his hands. And the entire crowds in both miracles were totally satisfied. Now, there's some similarities and then there's some differences. There's difference in the number. The first was 5,000, this was 4,000. The amount of bread was used was 5 versus 7. And uh, in amounts left over, uh, there was 12 baskets in the first and seven in the second. And the first miracle took place after a day of teaching. This one took place three days after. All right? So there's some differences. The first miracle was motivated by the spiritual needs of the crowd. And in this situation, Jesus is motivated by the physical needs of the people. He said, hey, they can't go home. They'll faint on the way. We need to feed them. The miracle was performed using outside source in Mark chapter 6, remember, or sorry, John chapter 6, that little boy brought his lunch. Here the, the disciples had something to possess and Jesus took it. I like this next part. The first miracle was designed to teach the disciples that Jesus was the bread of life for the Jews. This miracle is designed to teach that Jesus is the bread of life for the world. For all. All could come to Him. Above all these things, and that's interesting parallels and interesting similarities and things, but really the greatest thing I see here in this portion of Scripture is the compassion of our Savior. The compassion. He teaches us to care about the spiritual side of life, there's no doubt, but He cares about our material side of our lives as well. He definitely cares about our spiritual welfare that we would know Him as Savior, but as the children of God, He takes care of us physically as well. He doesn't leave us high and dry. The first thing I see here is the masses and their need. The masses and their need. These people have been with Jesus for three days now. They had been at an old-fashioned cat meeting. And I've only ever been to one and there was lots of preaching and teaching. And this was three days. Can you imagine? Can you imagine sitting down for three days and listening to Jesus preach and teach? That would have been amazing. You know, it would have been like, you know, you ever go visit a family member and, and maybe it's happened over Christmas and you feel like you just got through the door and then it was time to leave? They've been there for hours? You know, this. I think that's the idea with these folks. They sat down and they were just soaking it all up. It was amazing. Now the teaching was ended and Jesus is ready to dismiss the service as such and they had no food for the journey. And verse number 3 tells us, uh, and if I send them away fasting to their own house, they will faint by the way for divers of them come from afar. Divers means uh, many different places. They come from afar. They weren't close by. So Jesus saw the need and said, Hey, I have compassion on them. They can't meet this need on themselves. We find ourselves in the same predicament from time to time when we have periods of physical and material need, don't we? Let's just be honest. might not be right now. Maybe it is, but we've all been there. And sometimes, I'll have to be honest, as a as a preacher, I hesitate to speak or preach too much on Jesus meeting on physical and material needs because we are inundated with this prosperity gospel racket on the internet and different preachers. I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. What I'm teaching and preaching is God takes care of our needs. Both spiritually and physically and materially, He does that. And we can see throughout Scripture that Jesus cares for His own. The Lord cares about us and He meets our needs. I think of the children of Israel as they lacked food and water, as they journeyed through the wilderness after they left Egypt with all its bounty and and all its wonderful foods. And Jesus provided. God provided. Exodus 16, Exodus 17. David faced a time when he was on the run away from Saul. Saul was about ready to kill him and he had to flee for the presence of the king and he came upon some high priests in a town not far away and they gave him some bread. He had a physical need and they provided. You know, even Jesus knows the depths of poverty and hunger and thirst. And Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, it talks about when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights and he was afterward a-hungered. Yeah, he knew hunger. He knew hunger he had nowhere to lay his head in John chapter 19 verse 28 uh, and uh, sorry that's uh, in uh, in Matthew 820 uh, and John 1928 talks refers to his thirst and in second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 refers to his poverty he he didn't have anything so he understands those things isn't it great to know that our savior knows when you're hungry? When you're thirsty, when you're weary, when you're down and beaten. He understands those things. He has sympathy. He cares. Most people in this room this morning are familiar with agony and physical suffering in some manner. Now, some years ago, I had wisdom teeth removed, which resulted in me having three less teeth and nerve damage. They had a little boo-boo when they took out one of my teeth. Uh, I was a little bit older. They said I was really old. That's the word they use. I was really old to get my wisdom teeth taken out. I'm 37. Give me a break. I'm not really old. But at the time, I'm not 37 anymore, but at that time I was 37 and they took that tooth out and the nerve had got used to laying underneath that tooth and it, up it came and nerve damage. And uh, I don't have any feeling on the left side of my tongue. None. I can't taste anything. I still eat, though. Okay? Uh, it's I don't feel, I can't taste anything. But I do feel things. When it gets cold, it really hurts. So this week, it has been hurting. I've been coloring my mouth and everything just to keep warm. I can remember when I went into the doctor and uh, I had had teeth removed before, so I knew there would be some swelling and things. I remember going back, at, it, my Hey! <laughs> Is that okay right? And uh, he sat me in the chair and he said, Can you feel this? Uh, uh you know, can really can you talk when there's something something in your mouth, you know? And tell me how you feel. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So unbeknownst to me he had taken the needle out and he was poking my tongue. And I really didn't know what he was doing until I kinda of looked over at my wife and her eyes were as big as saucers. I'm like I was think, what's happening? And then she, then after he took his hand out, I saw I had a needle and it was poking my tongue. And I couldn't feel a thing. And so I, when it gets cold like this, that's why I have great anticipation for spring. I'll be really honest with you. The warm weather does not bother a bit as the cold, but we all have something. You know, maybe yours is not as humorous as no feeling on the left side of your tongue. Maybe you got something else a lot bigger. But we all have felt that physical pain and suffering. Maybe you have, right now, or maybe in the past, you have known uncertainty and problems that come with financial stress. Oh my, there's lots of that. You know, maybe you live through the torture of emotional problems and dealing with mental health and different things. We all have things that we have to deal with. I think everyone here knows what it means to be hurt or to hurt deeply. We've all felt those things. That's our common experience in this world. And Solomon said it this way, For he hath made of our labor and the vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun. For all his days are sorrows and his travail grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. If we're doing it all on our own, it's all vanity. Vanity. I remember hearing one time in, in college, a preacher came and he used that word vanity as soap bubbles. Vanity like soap bubbles. It really helped me because it helps... How long do soap bubbles last? There it is and there it goes. Gone, just like that. We need to be looking to the Lord, amen, as we go through those things. Not in ourselves. We don't have the ability. We need to understand the truth that He has all what we need for our lives. We just need to look to Him. Number two, the master and his sympathy. In verse number two. Verse number two. The master and his sympathy. I have compassion on the multitude because they have been with me three days and have nothing to eat. Jesus sees the crowd. He's aware of the situation. And these people have been with him for three days. I'm sure some of the kids were nodding off by now, you know, having good snoozes. and Maybe some are growing restless, whatever the case. But now they're definitely hungry. They can't make the trip home without someone falling by the wayside. And I have compassion on them, Jesus says. This means his heart went out to them. Compassion is sympathy coupled with a desire to help. Jesus didn't say, oh, poor people, and then walked away. Jesus said, I have compassion, and he did something about it. Five times in the gospel is, is it recorded that Jesus was moved with compassion. And in this passage, I have compassion on them. That's a glimpse of the heart of our Savior, that he has compassion on us today. I don't know about you, whatever you might be going through, but that should give you some encouragement to know that the creator of this world has compassion for you. He has sympathy coupled with the desire to help. I praise the Lord that we serve a Savior who cares. 1 Peter 5.7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. He cares about you. That, that idea of the word careth in 1 Peter 5.7 has the idea of taking an interest in someone. Our Lord is interested in things that affect our lives. And listen, there's 7 billion plus people in this world. He cares about every one of them. He cares about you. He knows your name. He knows your heart. He knows your interests. He knows the problems you face. And He's there and He cares. Wow. And that, that care, that compassion, that love is seen throughout the gospel, throughout the Word of God. We serve a God who cares. Think about the children of Israel as they, they left the Egypt. If you haven't read that story in Exodus, you know, you quickly find out that the children of Israel did not need any instructions in whining and complaining. They were masters of it. They had it down. They, they 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 complained and griped, but God still cared for them. He still provided them the water and the food. He was ever-present. He subdued all their enemies. They should have died by the Red Sea. They not gone through it. They should have died in the wilderness, but God took care of them. Now, they should have died as they went through the, into the promised land, through the Jordan River, and went against these armies of the Canaanites and other ites who had so much more experience in warfare. They should have died, but God miraculously took care of them. He performed miracle after miracle after miracle. Now, who, really, who, who would have cared about a Gentile widow whose son, who were Starving to death. God did. God cared and sent a man named Elijah. and He came and blessed that family. You know, there was hundreds of people dying in the time of Jesus' ministry here on earth. And who would have cared if a man named Lazarus died or a little girl or the son of a poor widow had died? Jesus cared and he raised him from the dead. Who would have cared if a bunch of God-rejecting, Christ-hating sinners died and went to hell? Oh, we're not talking about the past now, we're talking about right now. God cared because he sent his son to die for all sinners. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus cared, and he cared enough to take my, take the place of the cross for me and take that penalty of sin. He cared! For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Wow. I praise the Lord that we serve a God who genuinely cares about the needs of his people and he doesn't hate to hesitate. We should not hesitate to bring our needs to him and say, hey Lord, help me! I don't know how to take care of this situation. Uh, maybe you're lounging your last $10. You don't know how it's going to go. Maybe there's problems at work and maybe a relationship is not as what it should be. You can bring it to Jesus. He cares. He loves you. He died for you. He wants the best for you. We need to bring it to Him. Bring it to Him. You know, We bring it to Him. We don't surprise Him though when we bring it, you know. But he knoweth the way that I take, Job chapter twenty-three verse ten. He cares about your need. The eyes of the Lord upon the righteous, and his ear are upon are open unto their cry. Ever been to a place where you're crying out to the Lord? Well, that verse gives you great hope that he's listening. He's listening, just waiting for you to cry unto him and bring your petition to him. He's waiting. He's listening. Now, sometimes as parents, we can really, um, really can uh, put on the, put in the earplugs, if you might say, And when our kids are calling, you, you know, they're just, Mom, Dad, Mom, and they got to bring up a few more decimals. I mean, I'm sure it's never happened in your home, okay? I, I, I totally understand, okay? You know exactly what I'm talking about. You kind of tune them out. You're doing something. You're you're working on a project and, you know, and, and finally, like, Mom, Dad, what? gosh, don't raise your voice. Okay, it's never happened anywhere else but my house, okay? You know exactly what I'm talking about. We come to our Heavenly Father. We don't need to raise our voice. We can bring in a still, small voice. And He's listening. He cares. He loves us. Jesus invites you to come to Him. Come and be all you that labor and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. We should heed His call. And bring our needs to Him, and He'll help us through that time of trouble. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I need you to raise your hand, but we all have time of need. Well, it's all every one of us. And I love Psalm forty-six, one. It says, "God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble." He's there. The miracle, number three, the miracle and its lessons. Having declared his desire to feed the multitudes in verse number three, Jesus immediately met with doubt in verse number four. And his disciples answered him, and from whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? The disciples had already seen Jesus feed the 5,000 besides men and women, and they still doubt his ability to do the impossible. And verse number five, and he asked them, how many loaves have ye? And they said seven. How many loaves have ye? Seven. And as he did the first time, Jesus took that small amount of food that was available, and he thanked God for it, and he broke it, and he gave it to his men to give to the crowd. And just as the first time, the loaves and the fishes multitude multiplied as he broke them for the multitude. And the miracle took place by the hand of God once again. And when the meal was all finished, and all will were full and filled. You know, I'm sure if it's anything like at my house at Christmas time, everybody was filled when they pushed away from the table. Right? Everybody was full. And if anything like my house, you were looking for the nearest couch. Okay? After you pushed away. You were full. Probably, if anything, we probably overage. Okay? These people were filled. There was no more eating. They were done. And the disciples go to collect the leftovers. Amen. Oh, man, I love leftovers. And after Christmas, I know turkey tastes better the next day. And they took up all those leftovers. And they had lots left. In verse number 8, they did eat and they were filled. And they took up the broken meat that was left, seven baskets. Now, these baskets aren't like the little baskets that you would see, you know, carry a few little things in. These were baskets. Think like a laundry hamper, okay? The the, the word basket here is the same word that's used when Paul had to escape the city of Jerusalem because some people were after him to kill him, and the men, some Christian men, led him down the wall in a basket. So, you know, Paul wasn't fitting in a little tiny hand basket, was he? Now this was a basket. They they think probably could hold up to two hundred pounds. That's a lot of food left over. There was left seven baskets. Wow, that's enormous. They couldn't even fill one basket when they started, and then when they're done and fed all these people, there were seven baskets left. Wow! Hundreds of pounds of food. There's a number of lessons that we can glean from this miracle. The miracle reminds us that Jesus is Savior. He is the Savior. He is not a Savior. He is the Savior. The only one. When Jesus uh, fed the 5,000 in Mark chapter 6, the crowd was made up of Jews, right? I mentioned this earlier. Now the miracle is performed in a part of the country that's primarily Gentile. And he wants his disciples to know that he came to save every nation, of every kindred, of every tongue, of every people. He wants them to know that this gospel's for all. He's the Savior of all. You know, He came for His own, but His own refused and rejected Him. But Jesus came and died on that cross for the sins of all people. Jesus came and gave His life for whosoever will trust in Him. He is the only Savior. Jesus saith unto them, John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. He's the only Savior. Sadly today, there's many who are propagating and saying that, hey, there's all kinds of ways. There's only one. And it's through Jesus Christ. And he is the Savior. There's only one. The miracle reminds us that Jesus is more than sufficient to meet the needs that exist in his people's lives. Consider Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. This verse reminds us vividly that he is able to do anything. Anything. He is able to meet the needs in your life today. I don't know everybody's needs here today. But the need that you have in your heart, he can meet. He created this world. He can meet your need. He has taken care We have history of thousand years taking care of His people. He can take care of you. does not matter how big your giant is. And maybe you're say, you say to me, Pastor Alcock, the giant I face now is the greatest giant I've ever faced in my life. I don't know how to defeat it. I don't know how to... I, I'm, I'm beyond my abilities. It's not beyond Jesus. He can help you through it. He's helped other people through it. How tall your mountain is, how deep your valley is, He is sufficient for the need that you have in your life. He's sufficient. Turn over to uh, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, chapter number 12. Verse number 9. Great verse. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The word infirmities means weakness. This is a great verse to remind us he is able to give you comfort when you go through the greatest storms of your life he can take care of you he wants to take care of you he wants you to bring it to him and he will law guide you through that storm he is he's able to empower you to do his will philippians 4:13 i can do all things through christ which strengthens me you ever feel As you're walking through life, you're, you're doing your best to serve Jesus Christ, you're, you're trying to do your best for your family, you're trying to do your best, uh, for work, you're trying to live the life you need to live for the Lord, you're, you're doing, sometimes you feel alone. He's with you every step of the way. He cares. He's with you every step. For he said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. You're never alone. Though you might feel all alone at work when you're trying to have a good testimony for Jesus Christ. And maybe the the trials of life right now just seem overwhelming. And no one else really knows how you feel. And that might be absolutely true, but Jesus cares and He's with you. You're never alone. Look over in Psalm 84. Psalm 84. Read you a couple verses here. In Psalm 84. Uh, verse, or 84, verse uh, number 11. This morning, there's all kinds of people represented in the auditorium. Teenagers. Uh, single you know, adults, married, young couples, older couples, families, whatever the case, there's all kinds of people represented here this morning, right? from different backgrounds, different places in life. But Jesus is with you every stage of your life. And He can help you as you go through. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. He'll give you grace and glory right now for where you are in your life. He doesn't wait until you're 28 and start doing it. No, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, He's with you. And He gives you that shield. He gives you that encouragement. And no good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. Can a teenager walk uprightly this morning? Try again. Can a teenager walk uprightly this morning? Yes, absolutely. Can a single, individual, young adult walk uprightly? Yes. Married folks, uh, seniors, widows, widows, whatever. You can walk uprightly. And the Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. He cares. He supplies, his supply always meets or exceeds the need. You know, as we were preparing for Christmas dinner, we had a few folks over. You know, it's always the cook's worst nightmare not to have enough food. Alright, and I was doing all the cooking. I love to cook and I was doing it. I was like, oh man, maybe I need some more potatoes. And You know why I do this every Christmas? I have way too much food. But just the thought of not having enough makes me feel like I have to go buy some more to make sure I have enough. You, know, you come to Jesus and there's never going to be a time where the Lord says, well, I'm, I'm dry. I don't have anything to give you. Oh no. Oh no. He always has to meet the need and exceeds the need. Only He can do that. Only He can do that. The miracle reminds us that He has all that we need for the journey home. When the people were filled, Jesus had His men to collect the remnants of the meal. And He sent the people away. What did they do with the seven baskets full of food? I mean, could hold hundreds of pounds of food. Now, I don't have biblical account for this. But it did come to my mind as I read this passage of Scripture, I wonder if they didn't take doggy bags with them as they left. Took some food home. Take away, Carton. Take some food with you as you go. So they could have enough as they went home. Praise the Lord. He has everything we need to get home. Amen? I don't know what talking about if you live in Mississauga, Moulton, Orangeville, wherever you live. No, I'm talking about heaven. He has everything He needs to take care of us as we go through this life. Sometimes the way gets hard. Let's just be honest. It gets hard. And the flesh gets weary, but God sees that and, and sees that our needs and He provides for us and He doesn't lay us alongside the ditch and say, forget it, I'm not taking care of you anymore. No, He takes care of us the whole way through. I never worry about fainting on the way and not making the heaven peace. I am in Jesus Christ and Him alone. He'll take care of His own. He, he, he promised me His eternal life and His promises are true. They don't fade away. He'll take me home. Every single one of us who has trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, He will not forget us. I remember as a child, that was always one of my worst fears that my parents would leave me somewhere. You know, especially after I was bad, okay? Ooh. Mom, where are you? Now, you know, grocery stores and toy stores, I didn't mind staying there for a while, but I always wanted to go home. Okay? I remember one time we left my sister. I mean, you should have seen the horror of my mother's face. I was smiling in the back seat, but you'll get that after. But. Oh, she got back there, put her arms around my sister. said, Oh, I'm sorry, Tanya didn't mean to do that. And you know, so forth and so on. I never worry about Jesus not taking care of me. Leading me all the way home. Everlasting life is everlasting, amen? Never ends. This miracle reminds us... Now, those other ones were really encouraging. This one here is... A little discouraging. But we need to be reminded of it. And that we are a people of little faith. You now, As I was reading that passage of Scripture, you know, verse number 2, let's go back to Mark chapter 8. I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way. For divers of them come from afar. And his disciples answered them, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? I almost feel like yelling in the past, He did it before! It wasn't that long ago he had done it. And there was more people but they still doubted when he had this problem arose you know i, you know, I would like it would have been so cool in the scriptures see say like uh, in my mind's eye okay uh, peter hey folks no food no problem man we see jesus do something a, mir- a miracle before he'll do it again and maybe james says stands up and says yeah you're going to have so much bread you're going to have so much fish it's going to be amazing and John would reply, you're not leaving hungry. But they didn't say that, did they? Though they had seen Jesus do it before. From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And, and, and Jesus, verse number six, uh, five says, and said to them, how many loaves have ye? And I can almost hear a, a you know, that attitude. Seven. There's thousands of people. We got seven loaves. Now, it's really easy for me to rag on the disciples, wouldn't it? Actually, it's fun preaching to rag on them. But it's the truth for me. How many times has the Lord come through for me and for you? How many times has He moved that mountain for you? How many times has He brought you through the valley? How many times has He come through for you where there seemed to be no way through? You felt like you're all up against the, the, the biggest rock you can think of. There's no way of getting underneath or around or through. And all the way, there's no hope. And then Jesus makes the way. How many times have you still doubted Him when the next trial came up in your life? Isn't that one a convicting one? I read that this week and I'm like, oh man, that's so true. Now, I know my life and I'm I'm not much different than a whole lot of people here this morning and that trial comes up and you almost get seized and, oh, what's going to happen? You understand that trial, the Lord wasn't surprised by it. He knew it was coming. He had a plan. Oh, we're people of small faith. How much better off would we be if we just learned to trust Him? I'm not I'm saying that when He's like, woohoo! I have a trial today. I'm not talking about that, but we, when that trial comes, we're like, Lord, I'm going to trust You. Give me the wisdom to make the right decisions. Help me to follow biblical principles. Help me to be the best testimony I can be. Rather than going in the corner and saying, Oh, no! Don't we all have trials? It doesn't matter your age. If, if folks who are more mature than us can raise their hand and say they have no more trials, everyone want to be 70 and 80 years old. But that's not true. You still have them. We still have them. How much better off we adopt the attitude of Job? In Job chapter 1 verse 20, he had lost everything, right? Everything was gone! And then Job rose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's room and naked shall I return hither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And after you read the portion of scripture of all the things he lost and he still said that with a heart and an attitude that he meant it, that's amazing. That should be our attitude. How much better off if we would adopt the attitude of Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Wow. So when those trials come, I'm going to have an attitude, of thankfulness to God, I'm going to have an attitude, I'm going to trust God and see Him work it out. Now that doesn't give us a pass to say, well, I'm just going to sit in my couch and not do anything. No, we still have to work. We still have to pursue the Lord and do what's right. But I'm going to give it to Him. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to show I care and move forward and compassion. Whatever the situation is, but I'm going to trust the Lord. And we really miss out when we don't trust the Lord. Could you imagine the blessing if one of those disciples would have said, the Lord's going to do something marvelous today for you. What a blessing was missed, wasn't it? I mean, those those people were still fed, and, and you know they were wonderfully uh, blessed. But just to step out by faith, and say, Lord, I trust you. Point me the way I need to go. This miracle reminds us that our God is not a stingy God. He's not stingy. He proved more than enough or provided more than enough for these people, and His desire to give you more than enough as well. John 10:10, 10, 10, I come that they might have life. And they that, that they might have it abundantly. Abundantly. Now, and we're not talking about your, your uh, necessarily. I mean, it does happen. The Lord blesses us financially. And we have money and things. I really think this abundantly involves our spiritual realm, you know. More love. Well, I can tell you right now that I care about people more now than I ever did. And that's because of the Lord. No, it's just, it's through Him. More grace. More blessings. More of the things that you would need. And more than you would ever need. Now, now, understand, I'm not talking about wants, I'm talking about needs. Okay, there's a lot of things I would want to do and want to have, and then there's needs, and the Lord takes care of all my needs and abundantly more besides. Thank God he has more to give and desire and if we as children of him would come to him with our arms open and say Lord, encourage me, help me, I want to serve you. I think he he blesses even more. Uh, I just seen it time and time again the Lord do that. He's not stingy. he's not our he, he doesn't not care about his children. he loves his children. he wants his children to do what's right and to serve him. The miracle teaches us that great things can happen if we just get the needs into His hands. If I have a need and I'm just sticking it in my pocket all the time, pull out and look at it, oh, that's a big need. Put it back. I'm not going to be able to meet that need. And I take that need out and give it to the Lord and say, Lord, help me with this! Help me! Help me! Give me the words I need, or maybe the conversation, or give me the wisdom to take care of it. A small amount of bread and fish became sufficient for a multitude because it was put into the hands of the Lord. Imagine what he could do with you if you put you and yourself in his hands and held nothing back. Say, here, Lord, here am I. Do with me as you wish. Oh, you're so much more than a few loaves and fishes. Imagine what the Lord could do. I don't even need to ask this question, but I do need to ask it just to help you think about it. Do you have a need? I think all of us would say, yes, I have some sort of need. Maybe some of you have huge needs at the moment. Maybe others, ah, maybe that not big deal, maybe some small. Every one of us has needs. And we go through cycles when we have big needs. Have you given that need to the Lord? Have you taken it out of your pocket and given it to Him? Hey, does your relationship need a touch? Need His touch? Get into His hands? Does your spiritual walk need to be restored? Maybe maybe it's okay, but need needs to be reinvigorated. What a great time to do in the new year. Get things going right! See that happen again. See, see that enthusiasm for spiritual matters once again. Get into his hands. Whatever the need might be. Maybe it's a son of the daughter who, who's away from the Lord, or, or maybe school for them is tough, or maybe you're a single individual and you're looking for a relationship, or you're, you're having trouble at school. Whatever it is. Get it out of your hand and give it to the Savior. Give it to him. And watch Him take care of it. Watch Him move in marvelous ways. Now, we're not told how the people responded in this portion of Scripture. Do we just know that there was 4,000 of them and there was lots of food left over and He sent them away? Oh, I got an idea that they talked about that for a long time. These people talk. You know, as the little ones were walking home with Daddy and Mommy. Daddy, did you see all that fish? Yes, son, I did. That was amazing. What a great testimony. Thousands of people went home that day seeing what the Lord can do when you give Him what you have. Church family, I believe we could be that same testimony in our community, in our families, in our towns, in our cities if we would just give ourselves to Him. Take the reins. Give our hearts everything to Jesus. And see what He can do. He loves you. He cares for you.